You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. G A L D E M G A L D E M. This song is good. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up with Galdem, a Galdem original podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Charlie Brinkhurst-Cuff. I'm the editor-in-chief at Galdem. And my name's Natty Kasimbala. I'm a former editor and long-time contributor at Galdem. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we are joined by the incredible Georgina Lawton, who is a 20-something journalist, travel writer, and the host of Audible's DNA podcast, The Secrets in Us. She's been a weekly Guardian columnist, with her work appearing in a number of other publications, and her new book, Raceless, In Search of Family, Identity and Where I Belong, is out now, published by Little Brown. It's an incredible book, which I've called a masterpiece. It tells her own story in the form of memoir, non-fiction, um, but also is very journalistic in tone, includes lots of research and 
interviews with other people who who went through a similar experience to her of having their racial identity denied in some way by the people around them. So yeah, go and get it. It's a great read. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Georgina. How are you doing? Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting to be here and just one day after the book launch. So it's Publication nice. <laughs> day. Congratulations. Thank you. How was yeah. the process for you? The odyssey to publication? It was all right, I guess. I, I was lucky enough in that I started writing online years ago and then that sort of got me in front of agents and publishers who said, oh, you should write a book. So I've mm. sort of been hibernating mm. doing that for the past year and a bit and I like it when Charlie interviewed me yesterday for the Waterstones event and she was like you know some people might think that this has just come out of nowhere but you've been working towards this for years and I was like yes thank you for pointing that out because (laughs) it has been a long process but um yeah I just took some time out from sort of like online journalism to focus on yeah on the book and yeah I think it was worth it and I'm I'm happy with how the book turned out so yeah I feel like so, so much of it is this invisible process and then it's suddenly like everything all at once and everyone's like, who are you? What are you about? Tell me your whole yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's a lot of repetition of your story as well, and especially because, you know, mm. I've written a book that's mainly memoir and it's like my origin story is getting repeated mm. in all these different outlets all over the Internet. So I'm constantly, you know, aware of that. But it's, yeah, yeah. lots of different headlines on it and lots of different uh, platforms sort of rehashing it, repurposing it. So it's a weird sort of situation because now I've written the book it's out there and it's like mm. everyone will take something different from it and purpose it in different ways mm. yeah, yeah for sure does it does it feel like you might have to maybe in the near future kind of consciously make it your own again if you get what I mean like because I think what ha- certainly what happens when I have to repeat the same things about my past is that they always they start to feel less real they start to feel less like they belong to me and they're just like this story that like happened but like it's not mine anymore so I'm just curious to know if that's similar for you yeah I think I'm just like I said this to you before I think I'm just gonna not talk about it when I've got my next Mm. project out and you think that's really unrealistic but I don't want to keep talking about (laughs) the same story like Amanda Ngozi-Adichie you know she has that video on YouTube and it's like the danger of a single narrative and I'm hyper aware of that like I don't want to be defined by one book that I wrote in my early 20s I don't know there's a time and a place where I think I'll just yeah try and sort of steer the conversation towards the next project that I'm on because I don't want to be defined by one thing speaking of which (laughs) are we allowed to talk about your next book yeah please it's all about travel and what's Mm. what's the title of it actually what's the full title it's called black girls take world and it's inspired by my year and a half of traveling around the world so it's full of destination advice full of tips and full of travel advice for black women Mm. so there's like some essays in there there's sort of the realities of traveling while black and I've interviewed a few really cool people like Jessica Nabongo who is the first black woman to travel all around the world she completed her her journey I think it was like to 80 countries in 2019 so I've interviewed her and I've interviewed other people from different travel walks of Mm. life and yeah it's a really interesting project and it was really fun to write and it sort of brings together my love of travel writing and you know talking about that from through the lens of of a black female traveler because there's not really very many yeah black travel writers around or black black travel journalists yeah for sure it was interesting to see um Paula Akpan's new project which is going to be the queer 
black travel guide, which I, I can imagine will be quite complimentary to your work. Just going back to yeah. the person you interviewed, sorry, I didn't catch her name, but what did she do in each of these places that she went to in each of these? Did she just go and Tell was me. like, hi, and then left? Or did she, yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was sort of like, um, what do you call it? Like travel sort of box ticking. Yeah. Like she just went in. Sometimes she'd just cross the border and she would leave. Oh, that's so sad. She was on, yeah, but it was quite like a, an individual journey. Mm. But then when people said, oh, if you complete all these countries, you will be the first black woman to travel to every country in the world so she did it yeah there's people who do it like professionally right as like a yeah get from this place yeah 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 mm -hmm. interesting but she started off doing it just for herself and then yeah she had all this sort of attention behind it and now she's the first black woman to travel everywhere every country <laughs> in the world except for the illegal ones i think she didn't go like every right. oh, i thought you Fair meant enough. the illegal travelers i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> dark turn <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> the illegal, like the countries that you're not allowed to travel into. Like, I don't know if she went into North okay. Korea, but she went to a lot wow. of places. So she had loads of really interesting insight into, yeah, into travel and how she's not really defined by like, like we have the same values when it comes to not really being defined by like, you know, lists that say like safe places for black women to yeah. go to and top 10 places that you shouldn't go if you're black because we sort of try to stay away yeah. from that. And you know, give more general travel advice, but then talk about how you Navigate. might experience it as a black person, but not warn people against it because those lists I think can be quite, quite scaremongering. Mm. And you can't define a whole nation by like one person's experience on one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it is tempting to do that for sure. Very. I guess we should get into the lovely extract that you've got for us. And if you'd be okay with reading that out. Yes. Yeah. Give us some context. Yeah. This was like my first backpacking trip with my friends when I was 19. So like 2012, I think it was, 2013. And we went to Thailand, me and my two best friends, Amelia and Ashling, and we went to Vietnam. And it had always been my dream to scuba dive. I'd always wanted to scuba dive since I was like five years old. I wrote on like one of those things at school, like my life ambitions, one, travel the world, two, work for the BBC, three, <laughs> scuba dive. And yeah, we went to Koh Tao, which is like the island that you sort of go to learn scuba diving the best one um just down south in in thailand and it was just a complete disaster from start oh, to finish no. like terrible so yeah i'll get into the story and you can hear why it went so wrong so writing this alone in my room with mtv asia on in the background because my scuba diving was a disaster arrived on the island and decided to stay on a beachfront resort after a recommendation from some irish people we met on our last night in Koh Samui. The resort is stunning with a restaurant overlooking a gorgeous white beach and a variety of cheap, luxurious accommodation. We arrived on the morning of the 20th after getting the 8am ferry. Amelia threw up. We were lucky to get accommodation and the Irish girls later texted us to say they are among crowd of people trawling the beachfronts for any spaces. Straight after arriving, we signed up to the open water paddy course. We did skills in the pool, which were fire. Although Amelia was a bit nervous and Ashling went for a wee in the pool because we were literally there for six hours. All the equipment felt really heavy on, but the instructor, Gaz from Manchester and Kim from Canada, seemed nice. We had a tutorial in the afternoon by Kim, which dragged on. I started to suspect Kim, who is about 40 and wears a tiny hoop earring in one ear, was a bit of a freak when we asked questions about sharks and how dangerous they were. And Kim replied, I find it weird that you're asking me this. The Hollywood perception of sharks is not the reality. All right, then excuse me if I'm not a shark expert. After a long day, we were told that our first dive wouldn't start until 1pm the next day. We went out the night before, so the next day I was tactically vomiting during the exam run by Gaz. 
When we went out to sea with Kim, the real carnage began. The boat was rocky and Amelia and I were about to chunder. Amelia basically had a panic attack when we got into the water. She couldn't let go of the boat and Kim was really unsympathetic. We snorkeled for a bit and saw some really cool fish and coral, then went to the beach with all our equipment to practice mask and breathing exercises, which you need to do to finish the scuba diving course. For some reason, I really struggled with clearing my mask underwater, even though we had done it loads the day before. After about 45 minutes of me trying, Kim said that we're done and took us back to the boat. We were all gobsmacked, especially as everyone was still in the ocean. I was crying and begging him to take me out for another try as he told me, diving isn't for you. Eventually, he agreed to take us out one more time, but said that as a group, we had wasted so much time and that we would have to have a full day of diving the next day to catch up. In the sea, we were preparing for the first dive. Kim kept saying how I needed to focus, and I said, great, I will. Then in the water, after we went under, I got a bit confused. We had all our equipment on, and Kim had signalled to Ashling to deflate her life jacket underwater so she could sink better. But this was misconstrued to me under the water. I thought he said, go up. So I pressed the inflate button without thinking. We were only a couple of metres underwater, but I shot up to the surface. Everybody else follows. Then, above water, Kim went mental. <laughs> Never in my career have I seen Sorry. someone shoot through the water like a balloon. That's it, we're done, he said. <laughs> Obviously, I felt like an idiot, but Amelia begged for me to be allowed to dive, and we went down one more time, this time to disaster numero duo. I was so nervous about doing something wrong. I didn't even enjoy looking at all the fish underwater. Kim kept signalling for me to watch him because I was the liability, of course. And at one point, he even pulled me closer to him underwater as we approached the bottom floor of the ocean. We were about nine metres deep. As he pulled me, my weight belt broke, though. At first, I thought, this is a training exercise. But then I thought, shit, what if I get decompression sickness as I started floating up to the surface quicker and quicker? I was trying to control my breathing, but every time I breathed out, I started floating to the surface even quicker. Amelia and Ashling attempted to help underwater, but Kim signalled to them to move back, and the next 15 minutes played out like a film as I desperately tried to stop myself rising but was panicking slightly. I caught sight of the girls' worried expressions through their masks as they held hands underwater and I floated up to the top slowly. Kim had to collect all the weights from underneath me and put them back in the pockets of my jacket while trying to keep me still. I was praying to Jesus in my head and thinking, if I ever see dry land again, then this is my last time diving. <laughs> Eventually, I was weighted up and we managed to swim safely to the surface. Amelia tried to make light of the situation and Kim told me that I made it a hard job for him. Oh my God. I hate Kim. Like, I, I hate, hate Kim. Kim was horrible. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> Kim was horrible. so stressful. And I, I it's all... Like, I will never go diving. It's just not something that I am interested in doing. It sounds fucking petrifying. Um, have you have you been diving since that moment? Or was, was no. that it? Like, I'm done with it. And, like, I've got friends in Lisbon where I am now. And they're like, oh, come diving. Like, it's going to be amazing. Give it another go. I'm like, absolutely not. I've tried it once. I literally remember praying under the water as I was floating up quicker and quicker, <sighs> thinking I'm going to get the bends. And that's that's it for me. Like I've I've given it a good shot. Nobody has come out of it with a more traumatic story than me thus far that I've met. So I don't need to try it again. Like that's the sign from from the Lord Himself. Do not dive again. So I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I think. Not all things that glitter are gold, you know. That dream yeah. wasn't meant <laughs> to happen. Not everything's for you. Not everything yeah. is meant for you. Literally. I I respect your effort though and your resilience in insisting. <laughs> 
one attempt, no matter what the haters said, you were like, no, I need to complete this goal. <laughs> yeah, let me try. Yeah, I didn't even complete it, but I wanted to complete it. And my friends who I dragged diving to that island, specifically yeah. to go diving on that island, they completed the course. They've got the little oh, really? and I never even, Aww. yeah, I, didn't, I never even got it because after I floated up to the top, Kim was like, never again. I'm not taking you back. Really? Now. He just banned so you? So then they went and completed the course and I was banned. I had to go back to the hotel. I was crying. Aww. I was calling my parents. They gave me like a partial refund, but I just remember sitting in my hotel like for a day while my friends completed this fucking course that they didn't even want to do in the first place. Jeez. They got the difficult. I got wow. nothing. Oh man, except bad memories. Yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> how how was the rest of that trip? Was you know you said it was the first time you'd been backpacking. Was it quite a seminal trip to go to Thailand and you know see the sights? Yeah, it was. It was sort of the the rite of passage that a lot of people take, isn't it? Like yeah. Thailand, Vietnam, Laos. We didn't do loud, but we just did Thailand and Vietnam, and it was really nice with my two best friends. Everybody got food poisoning at some point, which I feel like is standard. We were eating a lot of, you know, street food, which I still do, and I still, you know, advise people if they want to try it, try it, but just be prepared for potential upset later on. <laughs> yeah, I got really bad food poisoning in um, in Thailand, actually. We were coming back from Cambodia, so we did, like, Cambodia and Thailand, and... Um, I'd been totally fine the whole trip and everyone else I'd like seen had like got food poisoning and then we got on the bus that went all the way from um a tiny little island on Cambodia to Bangkok in Thailand and I, I went to sleep and I woke up and I was like oh no oh no 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 we'd had oh, we'd had you just know you yeah you just know it's coming. yeah and we'd had this huge platter of seafood like the night before as well so you know it, it made sense Charlie. yeah you know <laughs> foolish <laughs> Um, and then um, yeah I like was like literally like chomping at the bit like waiting for the doors to open and like so the doors of the bus like opened for a stop and I literally like well for, for people who can't see my hands I vomited straight <laughs> off of the Projector, bus yeah oh. it was awful truly truly terrible um, but yeah so yeah I hate getting bad food poisoning <laughs> it's not the one is it it's not at all but back to that moment of, of scuba diving. Do you think that that sort of, that being one of your life goals for a while, that then very quickly became something that you never wanted to do again in your life? Discuss or do yeah. again. <laughs> um, did, did it have like a, like a significant impact on you? Because I know it's kind of a funny story now and like, you know, Natty and I were sort of giggling along, but like, it was a traumatic experience and also it connects to this wider thing of like something that you really genuinely wanted to do with like a lot of your heart and soul so yeah what was your emotions afterwards like it was a lesson learned that like yeah not everything is for you because mm. I'd never really been told that I wasn't capable of, of doing anything like I had you know really encouraging parents really great teachers and I always thought I can do whatever I want I can make it happen but this was a real lesson in that you know you you won't be able to complete every single yeah. ambition that you've got going on in your head you won't be able to achieve absolutely everything there are limits to your to your abilities mm -hmm. and it's fine to take a step back and know that that particular thing is not for you so yeah it was a lesson in, in how to lose I guess and how to sort of mm. accept defeat in something because it's not like I didn't try I wanted to get back into the water yeah. again and again but it kept going yeah. wrong so I just had to you know for my safety and the safety of my friends underwater I had to be like okay you guys are actually better at this than me you go and complete mm. that I'm gonna you know go and sort of lick my wounds but then I'll get over it and I did get over it 
but I just have no desire to to give it another go now and yeah. that's, that's fine like I just think it's not for me and it's not a big deal. <laughs> what are you like now when you travel are you still would you say you're still as adventurous as willing to seek thrills as you were before? Yeah definitely like when I went alone traveling around the world and I deliberately went to sort of black majority countries you know that was something I did on mm. my own in my early 20s and I look back at the things that I did you know like hitchhiking on my own around Cuba spending two months on these islands in Nicaragua you know going to the Dominican Republic on my own just like talking to random people meeting making loads of friends there but like you know not having the, the highest regard for my safety in terms of like mm. flashing my valuables in the Dominican Republic it's quite quite dangerous and hitchhiking again so I look back and I, I know that I've been very adventurous mm. and there's definitely lessons that I've learned about how to look after myself and how to protect myself in those environments mm. and I still think I'm definitely like you know quite I'm not a risk averse person should we say like I like to take risks like I get a kick out of it I like yeah. putting myself in situations sometimes that maybe are dangerous but at the time you think it's a thrill and as I've got older I've got less like that but it's still sort of within mm. me to push myself and push myself personally push myself professionally I think and I think I've I don't know why I'm like that, but it's just naturally there. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I was going to say, would you have any tools? I think, especially in a world where, you know, we, we were talking before about navigating some of these countries whilst a black person or, you know, an ethnic minority, quotation marks. So would you, would you say you had any tips for people who, you know, feel like they want to step outside of their comfort zone in that kind of regard and, and, yeah, I don't know what the word is, just like free themselves a little bit of that anxiety? Yeah, it's something I've had to think about. Yeah, because I'm not naturally nervous on my own. I'm quite comfortable in my own company. But I would say the number one tip that I have is is really about sort of confidence and fake it till you make it. Because if you are walking yes. around in a foreign country looking jumpy mm. and like holding all your valuables, you're going to stand out. But if you're somewhere where, you know, ethnically you might blend in, then why not sort of play up to that a little bit and, you know, adopt the way that people yeah. behave and hide your valuables and sort of tone down your jewellery and just look like you belong there and act like you belong there and you know the world will treat you accordingly I think when you really adopt that that persona of someone that you know knows what they're doing deserves to be there yeah I think that really helps fake it till you make it and then when it comes to like eating out and stuff a lot of my friends are like oh how do you eat out alone all the time it makes me really nervous and I'm like well you can just start off small like you don't have to go to a really fancy restaurant and order dinner on your own sushi samba <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to sit like a candlelit meal for one. You can literally build it up in stages. And I put this in my book. I was like, if you do get a bit nervous, like why not try going for a lunchtime mm. um, offer? Because lunchtime restaurants, you know, in the age of eating out are usually a lot more quiet and you can sort of be a bit more flexible with the table. You can sit at the back. You don't have to sit in the middle and feel like you're being watched. Like you can just sit in the corner yeah. with your little like lunchtime meal. You can order at like a what's it called and they don't do a la carte they often do offers so it's just a bit more casual and if that scares you like why not just try you know going to like a food cart area yeah. and sitting down in in the public seating near there like there's different ways that you can sort of level it up before you you jump to the you know advanced like backpacking on yeah. your own and eating out every night in fancy places <laughs> like if that's not you you could just yeah you could just build up to it I think and yeah feign that confidence wherever you go and then people will will treat you like you're supposed to be there 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just going back to um, this idea of traveling to to black majority countries or countries where you might blend in um, ethnically. I'm really interested in in how we as uh, diasporans can do that ethically. I often think about Firstly, how joyful it is to go to places where you just suddenly uh, like just blend in. So the, the places that I've been where that has occurred have been like Panama and um, and Cuba, probably. Like, I think there's been more interesting conversations coming up recently about like how even even though we are um, part of the diaspora, we can still enact these um, sort of worrying. Like Kristen Gray, the one who like went to Bali and and then was like come join like in the oh it's queer friendly yeah it's like black friendly yeah. like da, 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 da. what did he do so it was a girl it was a couple wasn't it like they were an american couple and she was basically trying to sell her ebook on twitter and it went viral she was like hey guys i'm in bali and i just want to say that this is the best place for remote working it's queer friendly and here's my ebook at the end she did this long thread and she was like here here's my ebook but she sort of i guess by accident like forwarded all these really troubling sort of stereotypes about Bali and it's sort of you know she was the westerner abroad that was telling everybody to overstay their visa and come to a queer friendly island which isn't actually that friendly towards the queer people that are from Bali like it's actually Mm. you know there's a lot of persecution so it was just really tone deaf and she she got she got deported because it drew attention to the fact that she'd overstayed her visa she got deported her and her girlfriend silly silly behavior <laughs> yeah but but I, I for me the interesting thing about that was like you know a lot of the 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 discourse that was sort of thrown up because of that was like oh like you know it's kind of 
it makes sense for black Americans or black people in the West to want to kind of escape the like, ba- like the bounds of racism within their own countries by going to these different places. Um, and again, I just feel like that's like super tone deaf. And I just wonder like how, I just wonder how we can travel, travel ethically um, as part of the mm. diaspora and not even in these countries where we blend in and, and, um, and, and where we look like the locals, we, we, can try and not sort of play into these mm. horrible Western yeah. stereotypes or like not be as bad as the white people. <laughs> I think it's, it's all about yeah. being conscious, isn't it, really? Like, even when I think about, obviously, South Africa has its own like racial dynamics, which basically mean that since I've been here, I've seen it's got its own like racial quote unquote hierarchies that mean that you'll usually see black people in certain positions, you'll usually see brown people in certain positions, and you'll see white people in others. And that that structure doesn't really shift depending on industry, where you are. It's just like, it's so rigid. And I think it can make you as a black person, but also as an immigrant who has certain privileges, maybe very conscious of like your position in it and how you try to like, how you either are completely passive or how you need to actually try to actively like, push against it um because you'll find like and it's the same as people always say you know when you're black british and you go to america and they're like yeah but the police still see me as black but when they hear your accent do they treat you differently you know and is there a privilege Mm. that you hold being not of that place so i think i think the more you're conscious Mm. of it the less you're going to keep perpetuating it but it's something that is Mm -hmm. like it's just actively interrogating it like in every in every step like yeah no i agree with that and when i interviewed Jessica for my book she was saying you know what she does try and do is is interact with people beyond their their given mm. role or beyond their service mm. role so when she's in a country you know she's a dark-skinned African-American woman um of Ugandan background and when she's in these countries and she's aware that you know she has a privilege because she's got a western passport yeah. but she's also mm-hmm. blending in as a local in some places she makes a point of interacting with people and tipping you know properly yeah. and not using her privilege to act like you know a lot of colonizing travelers (laughs) that have been here before yeah before us and that is another way of being conscious of that and it's super interesting like I feel like there's lots of conversations about passing as a local now and with the black travel movement and how it's been moving forward in the last few years like I think a lot more black people are conscious of the fact that when they have these passports and they go to these countries yeah they're blending in because we've got you know racial similarities but of course, we're going to be treated differently when we open our mouths, when we assert ourselves, when we tell mm. people that we're tourists, when we take out our yeah. wallets, all of that, those things are markers. When you're spending that money, like... When you're spending that money mm-hmm. that people like us don't have yeah. in those countries, they're going to be like, okay, this is a person that looks like me, but is not, you know, like me because they're from abroad. And it's even like being respectful, like haggling properly, I put in my book and, you know, not, 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 not thinking, oh, because this person looks like me, I can have a bit of camaraderie and like haggle the price down right to something really insulting, like pay for things properly, tip people properly, interact with locals, yeah, beyond their given role. All of that's really important, I think. Otherwise, we are just as bad as, <laughs> as the people that are travelling there. That haggling one is such a bar. Like, I, I find myself, especially in Malawi, because the currency is so completely, like, stark opposites that, you know, it's not even haggling on Malawian terms. Haggle on your British terms. Even, like, 95 percent mm-hmm. i want you to pay what you would pay for it in london in malawi and make that person stay like honestly that's what i do when i'm there <laughs> yeah. I'm literally like guys let's all let's all go out honestly because it's just it's yeah. just yeah. it 
just think when you think about things relatively as well and and not in like a crass way either not like yeah everything's on me but just making sure that you actually give back and you're not just there to take yeah I think paying properly is really yeah important. it's important I was just gonna say as well that's definitely like well certainly for me it was like a, a learning curve from when I first traveled abroad when I was like 17 I wasn't conscious of that dynamic and I remember I still think back to this memory I was in like Peru and we're in this little like um tiny town in the jungle and the like waiter like overcharged us on some ice cream and I got really up in arms about it and I was like you've charged us an extra like whatever the current was very not like me in general um no it's um, not because I could see the bill and then I could see the price on the thing and then I remember getting out of the restaurant and like getting back to wherever we were staying in the hostel whatever and I worked it out on a calculator like how much additional genuinely it was 12 12.5 pence I will never forget that figure because I was so ashamed I was like I was really arguing over that like what the fuck like it's just not but as a teen you're like in a different space as well you're just like how can I stretch this money I do not earn or you know oh Charlie yeah oh and reviews as well like I remember when I was in Bali writing raceless actually I had a really bad experience in a restaurant that was recommended Mm. to be my lots of people and they sort of accused me of trying to not pay for this dessert because I found a hair in it and they were like you could have told us that when you first found it because I'd eaten most of the dessert and I was like oh what's this and they thought that I deliberately like timed it so I I could yeah so I could just not pay for the dessert but I hadn't even asked them to take it off the bill I just said oh there's a hair and they took it off the bill but then they said you you should have told us before you ate it all and I was like for goodness sake and and it crossed my mind to leave a review and then I was like no because there's so much power in in you know like a, mm, a person yeah. like me leaving a, a review on a small restaurant yeah. in Bali leaving that on the site for years and you know good reviews also have so much weight so when we yeah. have nice experiences in these places leaving not just tips but really nice sort of accounts of our time there will really help the business but in the same way leaving a horrible review will yeah, impact them so for true. years to come so it crossed my mind for like a second to leave review and I was like no actually I'm not going to do that because it's not going to make me feel good and it's going to negatively impact you know that yeah. family run restaurant yeah. for a long yeah. time just no, it's so, perspective isn't it the conscious yeah, of. it's just absolutely mm. yeah perspective mm. and is it that important like you know it's 12p or it's one <laughs> one banana cake like does it really matter like not really we don't need to leave these long and lengthy reviews and and sort of yeah leave that trail of of, of yeah <laughs> Back on that subject of um, black majority countries, something that I remember was watching that, I think it was a BBC series that had all those black people talking about being black in Britain, I guess, and just like what it, I think it was right after the BLM stuff and they were just talking about their experiences. And Lenny James, the actor, I think that's his name, he was just talking about this experience and it's like stuck with me for like a year now. Um, And he was saying how he went to, I think somewhere in the Caribbean for the first time with his with his partner and he just saw black people everywhere and it was a case of you know like black staff but also black customers and just like at every single level he was just felt really at home and then he was talking about how when he then flew out he didn't even realize how much it really meant to him at the time when he got on his final flight uh, to leave and the pilot was saying you know we're now landing at London Heathrow he just burst into tears and he and like I literally was like crying with him I was like oh my god but um it just reminded me of like you know that idea of like homecoming in places that aren't actually your home which is a long way of me asking the question like where is the place that you felt most at home in all of your travels do you know what I would say Brazil actually but 
strange because Brazil is probably one of the most racially polarized places I went on my travels. But the way that people welcomed me during carnival, I know it's like a different atmosphere. Everybody's up to have a good time. But the way that women welcomed me and men, like girls were taking me round to, you know, travel round Rio with them for, for the day of the carnival. And everyone was so friendly. And I just thought we would never do that in London. We would never do that at SW4 to a random girl like, hey, join our crew. Like it just wouldn't happen. And they were helping me order Ubers. They were helping me, you know, like order McDonald's in Portuguese. And they were just such lovely people. And I've still kept in contact with quite a few of them to this day. And just because Brazil is so, I guess, racially mixed, there's just different types of black and brown people everywhere in Rio. But you do, when you start to look a little bit closer, you can see that the darker skinned people are the ones living in the favelas. They're the ones doing the worst jobs. And even though there's a lot of mixing and I felt like it was really you know, even a lot more progressive in the UK, there's lots of sort of interracial couples and, and blended families. When you really look closely, you can see that generally it's super polarised. Like the racial hierarchy is really real and a lot of people are living in poverty and it's the light-skinned white Brazilians that own the restaurants and have the nice things. So I loved Brazil for its openness, but I think if I lived there, it would be a very different story. And I was sort of aware of that when I was there. Similarly with the Dominican Republic, you know, I blended in probably the best there, I reckon. Everybody thought I was Dominican and the people were super friendly, but I also got got a bit of a shock with, with sort of the lessons around black hair. And it's really interesting there because they share the island with Haiti and mm. there's a lot of anti-Haitian sentiments and there's, you know, a lot of strictness in terms of people trying to cross borders and Haitians trying to live in the Dominican Republic and the government putting up sort of lots of barriers to ensure that they don't cross over. And when I was walking around in Santo Domingo, which is the capital, people kept shouting things out the window at me about my hair. And I'd go home later and be like, okay, I've just translated that in my head. And she told me to braid my hair or she wow. told me that my hair's a mess. And it's a cultural thing in the Dominican Republic. Like random women will say to you, get your hair fixed, girl. Like, oh, your hair's really curly. Oh, it's really frizzy. People will just come up to you and say that. And it happened like three times in a month. And each time I was like, is this, is this serious? But I didn't know. I didn't know I was being dragged till I got home because my Spanish was not that good. So I'd always go home and be like, wait, but it was always, you know, words about my hair. And I spoke to Dominicans and they were like, oh yeah, it's, it's like a cultural thing. And it's, you know, some of the insults I put in, this book. in my book, some of the insults are about wow. not looking Haitian and not having hair that's too black. Like they want it to be curly, but they don't want it to be too frizzy and they don't want it to look too you know, Afri like they don't want it to look like it's of African descent. So a lot of them straighten it or they sort of have loose curls or they manipulate it to, you know, texturize it. And I just thought, crazy. I wonder where we'll be with the, like, the discourse. I've obviously seen a lot of discourse, especially on Twitter, of course, um, about mm -hmm. race to do with, I guess, uh, Latino people and Dominican people specifically. So I wonder, I just like, whenever I hear stories like that, I think about like, I hope a hundred years from now that is like the most outrageous thing that anyone's ever heard because we need growth, people. <laughs> yeah, we do. Going back to your scuba diving days, trying to see the best underwater sites. Um, what advice would you give to her if you could to that Georgina in that in that age, the nineteen year old you? Oh, just slow down and don't try and do it all at once. Like, there's no rush. You don't have to backpack. At age 19, you can wait till you've got a bit more life experience. I would have said to her, don't, don't worry and don't rush. And I guess don't be too disheartened if you fail at something because 
that's just life. Not everything is for you, as we've said. And just, yeah, enjoy the moment a little bit more. I felt like I was definitely mm. really eager to tick off a lot of things on on my ambition list when I was younger. And, you know, I like having that drive. I like having that energy, but it means that sometimes you don't stop and really just like appreciate what you have accomplished and appreciate where you are at that time in your life. Okay, cool. And then what would, what do you think your younger self would think of where you are today? I think she'd be happy. I think she would say... You're doing what you want to do, you're writing, you're telling stories, you're writing about travel, you're living abroad. So I've ticked off a lot of things that I wanted to achieve, which is nice. She'd probably still say, what? Still single? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, I thought at 28 I might be, not married, but just a bit more grown up in some aspects, Mm. relationship-wise, probably. But I think she'd be happy with with the other boxes I've ticked off. So for sure. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Georgina. Congratulations on the oh, um, launch of your book, Raceless, which everyone should grab a copy of. I can't wait to read. Oh, thank you. Black Girls Take World comes out in June. Thank you so much. This has been great. Oh, thank you, guys. Oh, I just want to get back <laughs> traveling again. That's all. That's what I came <laughs> away with, as well as a lot of great wisdom I'm just like ready to get back out there yeah it would be nice I'm, I'm definitely more like you though in the sense that I struggle traveling alone I just find it really scary <laughs> to to not be able to communicate as well that's the thing that scares me the most, mm, I think. that's that's something that I've always done tactically like I started traveling alone maybe three or four years ago and I started with places that are either English speaking or like francophone because I speak a bit of French so you know, all places like Malawi, you know, where you can kind of English-ish speaking. Um, but it is just like such a hard jump to make, especially when you want to go somewhere new. You don't want to go back and revisit the same place just because you're comfortable with it. That kind of defeats the purpose. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a baptism of fire for sure. What's the, what's the first place you want to go after lockdown? Oh, well, I had, I had two holidays booked before. Um, and they were to my friend was getting married or well, she's got mar- married now but I missed it obviously <laughs> she was getting married um, in San Francisco um, so that was that's where one plane ticket is still sort of floating around yeah buffering and then yeah yeah buffering and then me and Jess Cole were gonna go um, who's a good friend and a, a journalist we're gonna go to Jamaica for the Calabash Literary Festival which I've always wanted to go to um, oh Jess uh, yeah Jess is great yeah so they're they're probably the two places but I have mm-hmm. been to Jamaica before I haven't been to San Francisco before yeah um yeah are you sort of craving being back in the UK at all you... <laughs> good joke <laughs> <laughs> um no but you know what I am craving is New York and I had a trip oh, yeah. to Barcelona for Primavera Festival books that was like gonna be like a 15 squad deep like festival experience and that all got cancelled and it literally broke my heart so first places I think I'm going to go uh New York and then hopefully Barcelona for the next Primavera Festival even if it's 2040. Okay well let's cross our fingers for those anyway. Yeah. (laughs) 
This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favourite brands and partners, early access to tickets for Galdem events, an advanced copy of our annual print issue, and so much more. Make sure you're following us on all major social media platforms at Galdem Zine for the latest independent journalism, or visit our website, which is gal-dem.com. Galdem has a book, I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up As People Of Colour. It's available in all good bookstores or online. If you loved this episode of Growing Up With Galdem, be sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 